social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. A problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. 24 hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401 732 6562. They're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook, and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, to installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. It's Coogie. It's 24 hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating 401 732 6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website petro.com it is tuesday it is february 2nd it is groundhog day and apparently winter is going to last even longer so there's a lot in the news there's a lot in the news dr nicole alexander scott is not going to be running for that second congressional district uh seat that is being um left vacant with congressman langevin now will not um seek re-election but something much larger is going on and that is the president biden has approved the deployment of u.s troops to eastern europe so and this is all of the standoff with russia uh putting its military buildup on the ukraine border well listen as many of you know this, this is this is how wars start so right now i believe the biden administration um i'm seeing different numbers on this but I believe right now it's um it starts at 8500 uh well last month they placed 8500 troops on heightened alert so now with the president approving that more troops are going to be arriving well folks as many as many as many people know this this is how it starts right this is how it starts and then it also just <clears throat> it just goes up from there so th this this is a problem this is a problem to watch i'm not saying that there's there's any easy answer on it but it is with everything going on and the tom brady fallout and the belichick text message fallout for everything that's going on that his texts are being used within this uh, suit against the nfl but something without question to watch is is the troop buildup so now closer to home and we're going to talk with dan mcgowan of the boston globe but closer to home um governor mckee is going to try to navigate through he's going to try to navigate through this this week and try to kind of um get out of it the week without any major damage but i i i disagree with this notion that we still need uh to be in an emergency declaration without question i mean what an emergency is is what's happening right now u.s officials say biden's sending troops to poland germany and romania so i mean that is and as a matter of fact so he's he's redirecting three thousand troops within europe first major movement of u.s forces in russian military standoff so to me that is really the story of the day um because as this thing escalates you know as we've seen in the past if in fact something happens to one member of the the u.s troops then then suddenly we get involved in in whatever it is now it's also very significant that russia was also sending uh medics the russian forces they were also getting uh, blood supplies of blood now that's certainly 
you know, raises the notion that they're expecting that there, there will be combat. There are going to be casualties and there's going to be need for it. Now, the other big story that we're watching is the fact that Whoopi Goldberg has been suspended two weeks from The View because of her anti-Semitic remarks. And, you know, there's there's always a problem. That show, I have maintained for a while, they have gotten away with a lot. Um, She is someone that the more she kept talking about race and she just felt, well, you know, I can walk down the street and everyone knows I'm black. That's, that's race. But what Hitler did to the Jews, Jewish people can walk by. It's, it, 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 it's, it's embarrassing because clearly she doesn't, you know, really know what she's talking about. But the fact that she's been suspended for at least two weeks, effective immediately, and this is a, a huge deal with an ABC and apparently other uh, members of that cast are upset so she said that the um the co-host comments were misinformed upsetting and hurtful but see this is the problem when when you have these people on putting meaning putting them in with a platform and Whoopi Goldberg she didn't know what she was talking about she had no idea what she was talking about so and then she went on Stephen Colbert and dug herself even deeper she claimed on Monday the Holocaust was not about race her assertion was quickly condemned by the uh, the ADL, a number of other important organizations. She then did an apology, but then she went on with Stephen Colbert, and she she kind of, it was before the apology, she kind of doubled down and said she didn't want to do a fake apology just because people are angry. You know, it upset a lot of people, but, you know, I feel being black when we talk about race. See, what she really wanted to say is, I can't get in trouble talking about race because I'm a woman of color. That's right that that's what she's really saying but it just didn't work out that way so i thought you know the holocaust wasn't about race people get angry they're still angry getting mail from people which i don't believe maybe she's an email but um you know but as a black person you know i can see so i thought it was more about man's humanity whatever i i, I don't even know what to deal with that that she just kept going to that well i don't want to fake apologize you know, they're saying I'm anti-Semitic and denying the Holocaust. So, um, and then Colbert said, well, you know, as as a white guy, he observed racial issues in America have tended to be centered on skin color. Right. That's what it means to me, she said. When you talk about being racist, you know, you can't call this racism. This was evil. This wasn't based on skin. You couldn't tell who was Jewish. Folks are angry. I accept that. I did that to myself, but it, it certainly didn't help her situation in in any way. Um, and and again, you know, this is someone. The the more she spoke, the more was. And and I I applaud the Anti Defamation League for going after her. So there's no question the Holocaust was about race. That's how the Nazis saw it. They wanted annihilation of the Jewish people, which they viewed as a different race. As a matter of fact, Hitler said Jews were in the inferior race and Nazis were the superior race. So she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'm glad she got called out about it. But apparently, you know, they're um, the the host co-hosts are all upset. So so that's a lot. All right. We have a lot to get to politics and much more. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable, Fuel oil delivery, fuel fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial. It's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. If you're listening 
to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining me right now, he is a columnist for the Boston Globe. It is Dan McGowan. And Dan, I'd like to start off right at the top of a roadmap, folks, which I receive each morning right in my inbox. It's free. It is an email that has all the news of the day, exclusive news. There's usually a scoop in there, links to different stories in the globe. But Dan McGowan, you have it right at the top, of course, with the Brian Flores big lawsuit yesterday. There's a Rhode Island connection. And where did he meet with the Broncos? Not out in Denver. No, he fell at the Broncos, who apparently enjoyed themselves in Providence. Um, right at a Providence hotel. Yeah, that's the, the the interesting. You know, there are two Rhode Island angles to the Brian Flores lawsuit. Of course, this is the sort of bombshell lawsuit that the former Dolphins coach has filed. It ties in Bill Belichick, and uh, you know, it's pretty explosive and and one that I think will uh, you know is, is potentially very damaging for the league. But the two Rhode Island angles, you know, the Broncos come out. Basically, one one of the claims of the many claims in this lawsuit, uh, Brian Flores says, you know, the 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 process of uh, NFL head coaching interviews, which requires called the Rooney Rule, it requires uh, teams to interview, I believe, at least one minority candidate for head coaching jobs. Uh, so back in 2019, he interviews for the uh, the Denver Broncos job and. Uh, you know, it says John Elway, among others, show up hungover. They're late for this, uh, you know, for this interview while he's kind of all prepared, ready to go. And the Denver Broncos come out and say, no, we'll tell you, you know, we this was a three hour, you know, something like a three hour interview. It was uh, it was in Providence. And, you know, you go back and check that at the time. I believe they say it was January 5th of 2019. Yep. That would have been the weekend of the Patriots having a bye uh, before the playoffs. Uh, they had a bye, and then they went on, of course, to win the Super Bowl that year. Now, we know Flores doesn't get that job. He ends up with the Miami Dolphins. Um, and then so the other angle that's that's kind of interesting here is uh, one of his attorneys is a guy named uh, Mike, I believe it's Williman. Uh, yep. who's a who's a Providence College uh, graduate. Yes. Uh, so he went to PC, worked for the or interned for the Commission for Human Rights here in Rhode Island, uh, and then went on to Fordham Law and has is a partner at this big prac, uh, big firm in New York. So you got your two Rhode Island angles. I always find a way to uh, take the big story of the the day nationally and find a way to Rhode Islandize it. It's great. And I don't know if you caught him. So he was on CBS this morning, Brian Flores with his two attorney with his two attorneys. And um, boy, he's he makes a co- very compelling argument. He's a very sympathetic way. I feel for the guy. But on top of that, it, he also his law firm, they were in touch with CBS before the giant interview. Oh, yeah. So they they started to bring them into the mix like, hey, this is going on. And then he has the interview with the Giants and it just doesn't go that way. Now, Dan McGowan, folks, there's a great column in the Boston Globe by Adrian Walker. And I think he's right on the money, basically saying, well, we thought we knew you. Adrian Walker calls Patriot fans that still thinks Tom Brady loves them suckers. Yeah, harsh. Uh, uh, you know, this is one of those ones for me, as as you know, I'm a Giants fan. And so I'm uh, I'm sort of independent of this. But boy, reading that in the paper, and you know, for, for folks out there. It's not very common for uh, Adrian Walker is is a very well known kind of uh, yeah. metro columnist yes. in, in Boston. He's not a sports columnist, uh, and for for him to write that and really kind of dig in, uh, it shows you how deep the Tom Brady, uh, you know, how deeply I think annoyed and offended a lot of people are by by Tom Brady's uh, retirement announcement yesterday, uh, where you know it. it he, he, didn't even acknowledge the, the Patriots and then kind of even acknowledge what almost 1000 words. He thanks the ground crew for the <laughs> bucks. I mean, it was, as I was reading that yesterday, Dan McGowan, just cause I had him, uh, his Instagram account on notification. So I immediately saw it. I'm going, okay. He thinks Arians. He thanks the general manager. He thinks no mention of, of the Patriots or Belichick, but and we won't, folks, there's great coverage on this. Ben Boland, your colleague at the Globe, has a great piece on it. But Dan McGowan, this goes back to, you know, and people don't sometimes realize, but in the business, sometimes when things happen, 
you you have to go with your instinct that there's something wrong here. And that Saturday, you know, where it leaked out that he's going to retire and that he didn't. And then he does the podcast interview with Jim Gray on Monday night and says, I'm still thinking about it. And then yesterday, boom, um, I, I think there's more to this. And it certainly sounds like there's some speculation that Brady thinks that the Patriots leaked that he was going to retire. Well, you and know, that just set him it, off. But and, go ahead. And think about that. I mean, it, we're, we're, you know, hard to know for sure. And probably something we'll, we'll never really know if, if the Patriots leaked it, but think about the way that plays out. You know, Tom Brady has been very clear. Um, you know, even since his separation from the Patriots, he, he loves the craft family and, and all, and all of that wouldn't be stunning if, you, you know, you text or call the crafts and say, hey, you know, I, I, it's, I'm going to retire. I just want to let you guys know. And the crafts think, well, we got to tell Bill. We got to tell yeah. Bill. And then who knows? Maybe Belichick, right. you know, is the leak or, or something like that. So I, I think you're right. I think you're on to it. I, I think there is a chance that that's the, at least that's who might get the blame. And, you know, I think the Brady family, as you know, I mean, you were all over it all weekend. It, it they were very upset that it that it got oh, out the way it did. Dad, the dad was pissed off. You know, it was a really ugly uh, moment, and it's a you know it, it is it, it's kind of a it ends up being sort of a sloppy retirement. Um, you know, for somebody who obviously I mean is the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Right, and then not even filmed. I mean, he's going to the next level with Tom versus Time. Yep, everything he does is a video announcement. And then, and then, not to belabor it, but and some people don't fully get it. But that 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 is his form of a press release. I get some people yep. don't understand that when you post that on social media, you don't need to send out a press release. He picked Instagram, but Dan McGowan, and also the photo of him in the Bucks jersey, oh, yeah. not of him hoisting the Super Bowl trophy, him on the field at Gillette pointing, and that was the game they won on the Sunday night. It, yeah. boy, it just reeks of that. And and again, what I want to point out to people is the best coverage I've read of this is, in fact, in the Boston Globe. And the, the Globe has um, has been all over it. Um, folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, I want to go back to you wrote, and I thought it was a great column last week, the reasons why Seth Magaziner should not jump out of the race. And he uh, it was almost like a deer. He didn't take your advice. He didn't <laughs> read it. But I'll say this. He will regret jumping out of the race for governor. Um, but boy, that, that was quite a column you did. And I give you a lot of credit because you broke it down. It made sense. That's not the direction he went. However, as I'm going to come back to, I thought his rollout was, was very poor. And I think he's going to come to regret leaving this race for governor. Yeah. You know, I think one thing too, and you, you know, you've done this for your entire career, John, but for folks out there, you know, the, the thing I really try to emphasize is when I take a pretty tough position, I was very clear. I did not think he should run for uh, for uh, treasurer, I mean, I essentially, or I'm sorry, for Congress, I essentially called him a spoiled brat, uh, yeah. you know, who doesn't live in the district. And I stand by that, you know, and then, you know, a few hours later, they, they say, okay, we're going to announce. And, and I went to the press conference and stood by him, right, to, to ask the questions. Again, stuff that, that, that you, you've always done too, but for folks out there, you know, it's not just sitting on the sidelines and, and lobbing bombs. I wanted to be there to ask yeah. questions to, you know, to understand kind of his thinking and i'm with you you know the being there in person to watch that rollout um you know he was he was exhausted you could tell that and he admitted that he said i'm you know i am tired it's been a really tough decision i think this rollout has been uh really underwhelming and you know he's got some real challenges here you know my guess is he is the favorite uh you know i think i even wrote that that he would be the favorite if he got in um, on the Democratic side to win the Democratic primary. But, you know, there's there's a little bit of momentum being built right now from a lot of the women in the Democratic Party. Uh, yep. There's, you know, candidate Joy Fox is going to get in the race, um, who's not, you know, a household name to listeners, but worked for Jim Langevin, worked for Gina Raimondo, has worked in the private sector for a bunch of years now. Um, and, you know, I think their campaign believes that they have the perfect narrative against somebody like Seth Magaziner. I mean, you roll it out, you look at it. She's lived, lived in the district her whole life. She's a kid who went to, uh, I think, Bayview Academy. He went to Milton Academy in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was at Yale. She was at Rick. Uh, you know, she, she, I think her first job was the Warwick Beacon, and his first job, you know, is a venture capital firm, something like that. You know, they have 
uh, you know, kind of a hometown uh, feel to this campaign. And what I will tell you is behind the scenes, there's real money behind this campaign. There are real players who are trying to help her who are who are not thrilled that Seth Magaziner essentially tried to clear the field. And then, you know, it does. It goes back to, to Magaziner, who clearly, you know, thought and was prepared to run for governor, thought he had a really good chance, and now has to pivot away from, you know, being, uh, you know, again, you could debate whether or not his policies or ideas were good ones, but as a, you know, a substantive guy who had been preparing for this for a while. And now he has to switch to this, you know, basically, you know, Republicans are bad, Democrats are good kind of narrative. And, you know, that's hard to do. I I think he I think he was ready for the fight for governor. He's certainly not ready for the fight for Congress, at least not yet. No, I want to see him. You know, you walk up to someone. Well, you need to send me because I'm going to stop Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump. It's like, what are you talking about? And not only that, but you know, in Rhode, it's one thing, like you and I understand what he's saying, but when you stand in Rhode Island and say, I have to stop the Republicans, people like stop them from doing what? Right. They're not a threat. Right. It's a, you know, as we've gone over, that's a very strong district. I, I thought his, his opening remarks, what was it, Dan McGowan, that pushed him from, from what you've understood? But what I think he's going to learn and people are going to see this is why you don't switch races, because I think. And I'll get to the I, I, I believe he's going to regret it. And I think he's going to say, my God, I could have beaten Dan, Dan McKee, who's it's like scandal de jour at this point. My goodness, another weekly scandal with the ILO contract and they just can't get out of their way. But what was it that pushed Magazina over? To, who, who made that decision? What was it that they saw or who? Who convinced him to make this run? Well, one thing I can say that that we uh, were had pretty good indications of last week, but I now have you know very solid sources on is this came from very high levels within both state and then you know you heard I think Joe Shikarchi at one point say oh, I've heard I've talked to the White House. Well, of course that's Gina Raimondo, right? Yes. Um, and I'm told that Gina Raimondo was very. Uh, very involved over that that weekend last weekend or I guess two weekends ago now um, you know making calls trying to figure this out the entire congressional delegation you know we're, we're making calls and, and, tr- and really trying to figure this out what it really came down to uh, you know and I, I think I said this to you I've certainly said it to others is I think they looked at this and said okay there's you know if, if Joe Shikarchi is not going to do it there are three options of people who could be uh, you know, who could clear a primary field of, yeah. of any serious people. There's Nellie Gorbea, there's Helena Folks, and there's Seth Magaziner. Nellie ruled it out quickly and was, uh, you know, and, and was def- just definitive. And, and in some ways, you know, the words I've heard is stubborn to a lot of people. Just said, no, mm. I'm not even remotely interested in this. Yep. You know, my kids are still here. No interest in it. So, boom. Okay, now you've got two. And, you know, I've I said this a lot. I think the people... The people who wanted Helena Folks to be the governor have no use for her in Congress, right? right. They're just, it's a lot of the people who, you know, are a little bit of hangers on, they're the yep. Gina Raimondo types, they have right. state contracts, things like that. They don't get anything out of, no. you know, the, the member of Congress. And I think there was the thought that, you know, Helena Folks should stay in, in this. She'd certainly considered it. Um, and Seth Magazino was almost the odd person out in some ways. Uh, and he almost had to kind of, uh, you know, bite the bullet and and do this um, at the risk of kind of frustrating a lot of, uh, you know, a, 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 of kind of party elders, so to speak. And remember, I mean, the thing about this is, is I think that what what probably convinced him to do it, he knows how bad it looks. He's not he's not a dumb guy. I think what he you know, he certainly was able he's buying into this narrative of um you know, it, it, it's all about the Republicans and we're going to run this national race. And somebody, you know, close to his campaign said to me, you know, it's hard to run a Democratic primary. You're throwing bombs at people. You don't even believe half the things you're saying, mm. uh, you know, because you are you don't want to fight with. Yeah, he doesn't want to fight with Nellie Gorbea. They may not like each other, but they're not right. they're not sworn enemies. Um, and now they said this becomes much more fun. You know, it's Alan Fung or Jessica De La Cruz. It's a simpler race, at least in explaining it. Doesn't mean, and I would disagree with them if they felt this way. I don't think that it means that they're, you know, a solid favorite. I've said this no. all along. I think Alan Fung, if he runs, 
is super credible. And I think there will be momentum if Jessica De La Cruz were to, you know, somehow sneak through a primary. Um, you know, I think there'll be a lot of momentum for change and she'll be the change candidate up against the Seth Magaziner. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe <clears throat> right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com. Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359. And in Rhode Island, 401 401- 885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. Portion of the program brought to you by the Coesit Inn. Check them out on the website, depetro.com. The Coesit Inn, or Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Located 226 Coesit Avenue in West Warwick. Whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers, there's always a great crowd. You can to link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, I want to just stay on the Seth Magaziner. Um, I'm, 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 I was glad you went to his briefing and asked him questions, and I thought of you standing there. Folks, Dan McGowan wrote this column. Here's why Seth Magaziner should stay in the race for governor, and he, he didn't listen to the advice and then quickly announced he's running for Congress. <clears throat> but I thought of that great scene in All the President's Men where Jason Robar plays the role of Ben Bradley and says he got tipped off, if you know the scene, yep. that LBJ is going to make get a replacement for Hoover. And he runs with the story. That day, LBJ calls a press conference, announces Hoover has a job for life, turns to his guy and says, call Ben Bradley at the Washington Post and tell him, blank you. <laughs> I thought of it would have been great if Magazina said, I'm announcing for Congress. And by the way, Dan McCowan, blank you. That would have been an all-timer. But where I believe he will regret it and they're going to learn, is as you and I know, listen, this is fluid. Who knows what's going to happen this summer? Um, he's looking beyond, boy, I don't want to throw bombs in the Democrat primary against Gorbay and so forth. This way, I escape that. See, I don't think that's the case. I think each Democrat primary for Congress in CD2, I think this is going to be a battle and there's going to be a lot of bomb throwing. Ed Pacheco, if you're Ed Pacheco or, you know, obviously Joy Fox or never mind if I don't know if Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott's going to get in. But listen, when there's power on the line and this is a real office, when it comes down to it, the, the last two weeks, this this could turn into a bloodbath very, very easily. Oh, I completely agree. And, yeah. and, you know, the funny thing is, is all these politicians, they love to say, you know, let's debate on the merits of the issues, huh. you know, and, and I'll always, you know, if you want to fight with me over my job as treasurer, my job as governor, you know, I'll, I'll stand up for that and I could defend that and I'll knock your job at wherever else. The thing is, is that when it's a race for Congress like this, it becomes very personal. Right. And the attacks on Seth Magaziner are going to be basically what I laid out in my column. They're going to label him an elitist spoiled brat. And and that is that. I mean, uh, for good reason, that offends him deeply. Right. He believes in his in his heart. He believes that he's a guy who, you know, yes, has had lots of advantages, but has committed his life to to public service, you know, being elected, all that uh, stuff. You know, I think he this will become the, the best attack on him is that they're not gonna you're not gonna see ed pacheco and joy fox be able to you know debate with him on whether he was a good treasurer or not no. that's not that has nothing no. to do with it right. and and that's why it will get ugly and here's the thing it, you know you can only take those punches for so long suddenly right. 
you know, you're, you're, you're attacking, uh, you know, things that Joy Fox said when she was Gina Raimondo's spokesperson or, you know, whatever, you know, a bill that Ed Pacheco voted on 11 years ago in the House. Um, it, it really becomes, it, it becomes personal very quickly. And then you'll go right into a national, uh, you know, a, a, a race. Let's say it's Alan Fung's. We, we all are kind of expecting him to run. Um, you know, it's it, it. You want it to be a national race, but Alan Fung's going to do everything he could to localize it, right, and to make That's it. Right. Hey, you guys know me. I'm from Cranston. He's not. Yeah. Uh, it, it could be. This could be a bloodbath in a lot of ways. I think so. The Dan McGowan, what do you think this does to the race for governor? I I think huge sigh of relief for Governor McKee with Magaziner out of the way. Yeah, it's funny. The, the I've heard different. You know, analysts and pundits give different views of this. I think there's no doubt uh, it made, I think it, 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 everyone has a reason to spin that it benefits them. So if you're the governor, you say, well, you know, I can grab, there's a little bit of labor support that probably can, I can tip in my direction. Uh, you know, there, there's always, I think the trades uh, were really the building trades who vote and turn out big you know, were kind of on the fence because Seth Magaziner is a guy who they, who I think they knew they could rely on, but Dan McKee's yep. the guy with the money, right? That's right. And so now that clears that up. So I think Dan McKee has a case, you know, the one thing with Dan McKee is I think he, I always think he benefits more from more people in the race, but you could see that Nelly Gorbea, you know, you talk to the, the people who have polled, you know, if it's if it's Nellie Gorbea's polling, her polling shows, you know, people who really like Nellie, their number two candidate is Seth Magaziner and vice versa for people who really like Seth Magaziner, their number two candidate is Nellie. So I think they feel a little bit good there. And then Helena folks, I think, feels really good yeah. because suddenly now you, you don't have to say, boy, Helena, you know, you're my kind of candidate, but I've been with Seth for eight years. I That's know the right. family all that kind of stuff. So all of them have a case, in my opinion, you know, I think it benefits Helena folks. I think we haven't yet seen her. Uh, I mean, she's had a, I think she's had a terrible rollout and she's been, yeah. I think she's really struggled, but you know, she'll be on TV relatively soon. I think you'll start to see her, um, you know, tr- build name recognition. I think she'll build name recognition very quickly. And then it'll be a test from there. of How can she, you know, can she take the punch on, on the opioid stuff. Can she take the Mitch McConnell punch from liberals? Um, and, and, but, you know, I, I do. I think this could benefit her in a lot of ways. She's never won an election. I mean, Magaziner, say what you want. The guy won statewide That's right. twice. That's right. Ellie Gobea has won statewide twice. Dan McKee's won statewide twice. Yeah. Where is the Matt Brown campaign, Dan McGowan? I, are you surprised at his lack of fundraising? Very surprised because yeah. they. I was, I was, in, you know, somewhat, I guess I would say, impressed in his uh, his previous quarter of fundraising. You know, I thought yeah. for a guy who who was pretty little known, he was able to tap a pretty big network of, yep. you know, of national donors and progressives, and then kind of came out with a really poor showing mm. um, in the final quarter, uh, you know, of 2021. We'll see the big thing to check is always the first three months of the year are always a big fundraising time. People, you know, are, are, are getting their refund checks and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're just, they're able to tap donors and, and lots of that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see, but I'm surprised. I thought he would be able to kind of capitalize on this moment of, you know, institutional chaos within the Democratic Party. And right. quite honestly, haven't heard him at all. So no. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. Other than, you know, once they, they got a little bit of a splash with the sleep out at the state house, <clears throat> with the, the position he's in, they can't afford to go to sleep. And, and he's been just non-existent for the yeah. past month. You don't see any activity. And this is um, the moment where if you're yeah. the the insurgent candidate, yeah. you 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 should be capitalizing. Look at all the the, the deals that are being cut behind the scenes, all the players you know, they want Seth to do this and they want Helena to do this and Dan McKee's doing this thing. You know, this is the moment where you attack, attack, attack. And that resonates with people. Even even people who would say, you know, you, many of your listeners, a lot of my readers who would say a little bit, you know, Matt, Matt Brown's a little too progressive for me or maybe a lot right. too progressive. They, they might say, you know what? He's the only one speaking the truth. He's the yes. only one on the attack. And he, he just isn't doing it right now. I don't know. Again, I don't know what he's doing. He's not. And I'll give credit both Nelly Gobea, the secretary of state, and also Helena Folks. You know, they were both 
vocal and kind of taking shots at Governor McGee yep. over the Dr. Scott leaving, and then now the latest with the this ILO contract and so forth. And uh, and Matt Brown, I mean, it is game time. And uh, those those figures, unless there's something going on behind the scenes, you know, they've been very extensive interview about how the co-op works, but kind of surprised that it's it's February. He can't afford, in my in my mind anyway, to kind of sit on the sidelines nope. at this time. Folks, uh, another quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best, and if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401 401- 272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401-272-3340. Stop in and see my friends at End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Football playoffs are here. It's a great crowd surround sound stop in see dana and everyone it's always a friendly enthusiastic crowd at end zone sports pub 960 menden road in cumberland bring some friends make some new ones i'll see you end zone sports pub 960 menden road in cumberland we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe dan you also um you wrote a good piece that uh <clears throat> mayor lorza even now still trying to Come up with some way about to uh, right the ship of the Providence Pension Fund. Uh, he's he's lowered it at his ask. Um, it, it, you you kind of I took it as you were you're saying that you're surprised that no one is still seemingly taking him serious or or reaching out in an effort to try to help him you know get this over the finish line to to bail out the Providence Pension Fund. Yeah, and, you know, this is a, it's a complicated one because it's pensions and because it's, you know, it's a bunch of money and it's borrowing. And so folks, I think, immediately say, no, we're not, we don't want to help out Providence. You know, they need to figure out their own problems. And that that's a reasonable, um, you know, view of the world. The one thing I'll say about Mayor Lors is, and I've had a lot of criticism of the mayor over, you know, over a long time. And he's not, you know, he, he has not been an effective mayor in a lot of ways. One thing he has been consistent on almost since day one is trying to figure out sort of the combination of the pension solution. And then he, he's gone to war with public employee unions, right? I mean, there, there's you can't, can't argue that uh, this is a guy who was soft on the firefighters. Or you remember that so well, you know, really went after these guys. Yeah. And, and the challenge with him is he just, he never can build some you know the momentum he needs some state support in this case what he needs from the state isn't actual money it's i need you to approve my ability to borrow the numbers 500 million dollars um you know from the city and we'll dump into the pension fund the idea is that you know if you have a real if you have a lot of money in that fund uh you invest it you return you, you know you get a bigger return on investment you close the kind of the pension shortfall um, you know, they've ex- they, they spent a lot of time this summer uh, really, you know, diving into potential solutions, all these other things. They really think strongly that this is this pension bond is the answer. Um, it, the, 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 the problem with this is, though, is they just they really, really struggle to uh, win any level of support. And, you know, I know they pointed they kind of said to me, uh, we a bunch of reporters talked to the mayor last week about this and. And I asked that question. I said, look, Mayor, you know, 
what makes you think this year is any different? He said, well, we've really thought this out. We had the governor, you know, a person from the governor's office on the team. And then the governor's office comes right out and says, no, our, our designee to this task force uh, had no role in making recommendations or, you know, or writing the report. So that shows you where they stand. You know, the House and the Senate is, aren't going to want to really take up something controversial in an election year. Right. Uh, and so I, I think it's really ugly. I will tell you, this was not in the column because I just learned it just last night. So a little bit of news for your listeners. The, city, ha- the city has hired... Uh, two fairly well-known, at least in, in inner circles, uh, a lobbyist to, to push for this. And one's very well-known, you'll know, Matt Jerzyk, uh, wow. is, is going to lobby on this. And then there's a guy named Will Farrell, whose father has been a lobbyist for a really long time. Both of them worked for the city for a bunch of years under Angel Tavares, and they're going to be lobbying the state for this pension bond. Uh, and so we'll see how it goes. But I'll I, I, I tell you this, I'm not optimistic. Um, folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, I want to point out, I, I think the, the Globe practice of writing, you know, people can write a, a piece and then uh, it's obviously published in the Globe. But uh, the, the piece written about the defund the police movement yeah. has, has really slowed down. <clears throat> you know, th- that is probably one of the best written pieces because they explain the difference. And I haven't seen anyone to date explain it the way he did and i remember him as a as a police officer he was terrific yes but um but the element of there's a difference of if you just respond every time there's a victim as opposed to proactive policing stopping things before they happen i i was so glad that you guys ran that piece yeah you know this is the beauty i think of of working for a you know a well-known paper and look you know a lot of listeners out there will say well, the Globe, you know, its editorial section is historically very liberal. That's true. I'm not going to deny that at all. Now, that's different from the news side, and it's different from, you know, I think the diverse array of opinions we often yeah. get. And, and in this case, yeah, former uh, uh, police captain, like you said, Jim Desmaris was a, was a really good officer, was well-respected. Yeah. He's at Johnson & Wales now teaching um, and really laid out. You know, he, he laid out a, a, the interesting case, like you said, sort of proactive policing versus reactive yeah. policing is so important because it, what it does is it, it's not just you're not just responding once the body is, you know, is, is, uh, is dead on the, you know, right. on the side of the street, you know, and uh, he really laid that out in a really compelling way. And I think it is really important, you know, especially as you know, I think the defund the police movement has started to kind of fizzle, but there is a there's still a lot of uh, opposition, I yes. think resistance, particularly from Democrats, um, you know, to policing. Uh, and so, you know, there may not be defunding, but there's still going to be efforts to kind of change how policing works. Lots of that stuff. It's nice to hear from somebody who was a good officer yeah. uh, and, and, and kind of can, can spell this out in a very coherent way. So I recommend everybody ch- check it out. It's on our, the Globe's website, the Rhode Island section. Well, and especially in, in, in New York, where I yep. mean, what people don't realize, if you ever watch the old, I, I forget which streaming service it's on, but Hill Street Blues you know, some of the more entertaining characters are the when police go <clears throat> plainclothes undercover. That's right. And that's how they can prevent and stop a lot of crime. Um, and and with Hill Street Blues, see that what a lot of people realize is under Mayor de Blasio, they pulled a lot of those units out. So then you never have anyone undercover plainclothes. And then so you're just uniform responding to there's been a stabbing, there's been this and that. Um, yeah. The other piece that I'm curious your thoughts on um Kristen Adamo writes, uh, Providence really still needs a bailout reeling from the pandemic. You're, you're downtown. I, I think she also didn't touch on, I, I believe part of the problem for Providence is still not just the pandemic, but it was also some of the rioting, high profile crime that have kind of happened. But what did your, what did you think of her piece um, about that? Because I mean, I, you're downtown more than I am, but it, it still is, unfortunately, still like a ghost town. Well, it, it completely is. And, you know, I'm as soon as you and I get off the phone, I'll be heading right downtown for something. And and you're right. I mean, it's it's a ghost town and it is a combination of things. Yes. Do, you know, did the pandemic affect, you know, uh, office space problems? No doubt. Absolutely. You know, even the Globe, right? We have an office downtown Rhode Island. We're not required to be there. Uh, you know, it's sort of our choice if we want to be in the building and lots of, uh, you know, 
the companies are, are kind of have the same view. So yes, it's one factor, but you, you know, you cannot ignore, I think the, I think ever since those riots now granted pandemic was happening then too. Um, I think there, there has been some, uh, you, you know, resistance to going downtown. I think you do still see, you know, you drive downtown and you're looking for parking and Kennedy Plaza is still a mess. Uh, now, you, because you have fewer people down there, it only exacerbates the problem of, you know, you're right. going to notice more yeah. of, of the people who are there. Um, and, and you do see, you know, you, you see more buildings, you know, or, you know, windows boarded up, things like that. Um, it, the, the downtown definitely needs a shot in the arm. The question is, what do you do with it? Because it, it, look, you know, if, if you're going to give Providence this, you know, a bunch of money or the Providence businesses, well, you know, what's going on at Garden City? Or what's going yep. on everywhere else? It becomes really difficult to, to address. But you know, I, what I'll be interested in about, you know, say maybe a year from now, six months from now, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to talk to the former mayor, Joe Palino, to learn sort of how his first year with the fancy hotel that he that he opened yep. um, in, the, in the restaurant down there, how that's going. Because that's, I mean, that is the square, the heart of downtown, right? That's right, that's right. by the plaza and everything yep. else. And I'm so interested to see, you know, can that thing succeed? Um, and, and if not, you know, it is going to be a really worrying sign. So, you know, I, I'm not totally, I'm not opposed by any means to a, to a, you know, some sort of bailout. I want Providence to thrive and I want the downtown to feel like it used to feel. But, um, you know, I, I'd like to see maybe a little bit more time. To see, let's see what the summer looks like. Let's see what right. happens. And hopefully things will turn around a bit. Yeah, you need crowds. Crowds yes. is what make people feel safe. There's nothing worse than you're walking. It's a desolate. Never mind right now with all the snow and it's yeah. cold. I mean, it's really. But that's that's what makes people safe and increases when you have crowds. Um, folks, there's also a great piece by your colleague Brian Amaral about the opioid epidemic and uh, really goes inside. It's it's worth a read. You um, listeners, you hear me mention Roadmap, which I read obviously each morning arrives in my inbox. It's links to all the stories in the globe and there's scoops. He's very modest about it, but it tells you what's happening today. And then there's also what, uh, you know, that starts off with the COVID transmissions. Dan McGowan, right now, if you'd be so kind to extend that free offer to everyone who's listening. Yeah. I always say to people, my, my goal every day is kind of to make you smile and learn something every <laughs> single day. And sometimes it might not be that, you know, it's not always the most brilliant thing you've ever read, but you're going to learn something every single day. And like John said, you know, it's completely free. You get lots of the links that John and I talk about and lots more in the globe. I mean, our sports section is rocking right now, obviously with the Brady retirement, all that stuff. So send me a blank email. Don't have to do anything other than send an email to rinews at globe.com. You don't even have to type in the subject. Uh, I'll know what it is and I'll sign you up and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. So rinews at globe.com. And just in one more thing, Dan McGowan, your column that you wrote about magazine and here's why you shouldn't switch. I'm going to predict that, you know, you, you weren't wrong. It may not be, you know, right today because then he switched or it didn't seem that way last week. But you mark my words, you weren't wrong. Folks, he was Dan McGowan. He, he was. He is Dan McGowan <laughs> of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job as always. We'll talk to you again. Thanks so much, John. Have a great day. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401 688 Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Look for them on Facebook. Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM thirteen eighty. 99.9 FM. Folks, remember you can always listen online at our website depietro.com. Check out the website depietro.com. We have original, unique 
exclusive stories, videos, content, all our links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all right there. And that's also the best way to reach me. Log on at the website, depetro.com, depetro.com. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Into Brood Awakenings and discovered the Brood difference. Two locations in Johnston, also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, they're local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, delic- delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee and plenty room to spread out and meet people i'll see you and you'll discover the brood difference at brood awakenings you're listening to the john DePetro show on am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com now while you're there uh there's a lot of exclusive stories folks we cover stories the rest of the media ignores it's real news whether it's video that we're out at a crime or a protest or various things that are happening, plus other exclusive stories that we break, log on at the website. That's also the best way to reach me, by the way. If you'd like to get in touch with me, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see a, a button that says Contact John. You can also support the program. You you can also get some great merchandise in the shop right there at DePetro.com. And it's all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, so you can watch Facebook Live or also Twitter, or YouTube, or Instagram. So take a minute, and then also we have some great sponsors there as well. It is a happening. Check it each day. It's depetro.com. All your firearms, ammunition, accessories, stop it and see the Defender of the Faith, Second Amendment Headquarters, is Competition Shooting Supplies, located 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. See the owner, John Francis. You can call him at 401 727-1716 now remember also if you want to sell some firearms maybe you have a collection or there's just some that you don't use you can also either sell them on consignment or sell them to john francis stop it and see john francis at competition shooting supplies 435 benefit street in Pawtucket. you can also look for them on facebook and he is always posting new inventory that he has in so whether it's firearms ammunition accessories stop in my gun guy competition shooting supplies 435 benefit street in Pawtucket. take the last exit in rhode island exit 2a drive past the attleboro train station and then right up at the light newport avenue and benefit street take the left i'll see you at competition shooting supplies